Uh, right, hello. Um, welcome to today's Trend Signal Trading Podcast. It's the 6th of July, 2020. Uh, my name is Adrian Boothy. I'm the head of trading here at Trend Signal. I'm joined as ever uh, with our chief analyst and CEO, Jerry Miller. Hi, Jerry. Uh, morning, all. Hello. Hi. Um, so today, uh, what we're going to do is a bit of a recap on the um, over the last week, what's been going on in the markets and what to be looking out for for the week ahead as uh, we're seeing COVID cases rising and particularly in the States. Um, we're seeing lockdowns starting, but they're not sort of kind of starting. Um, we're seeing stocks rise and also um, we're seeing the likelihood of a V-shaped recovery rising as well, arguably despite the backdrop of uh, COVID cases rising as well. So, Jerry, do you want to try and make some sense of uh, uh, what's been going on and just give us an update? Maybe why don't we start off with what's happening um, this morning? Bit of a rally in the, the Far Eastern markets, wasn't there? Yeah, it's, it's extraordinary. I, I, I went to bed thinking, yeah, don't like what's happening in Australia. There's cases of further lockdowns in Galicia and uh, Catalonia in Spain. Germany's got lockdowns. Uh, so Victoria or well, Melbourne uh, closed the border between Melbourne and uh, sorry, Victoria and New South Wales or wherever. Uh, anyway, the fact that they've done it is quite sort of a headline. Uh, so things sort of seemed a little bit somber, really, uh, when I crashed out last night. Um, and you find out that, that overnight, there was a big, huge rally in Chinese shares and Hong Kong shares as well. And that really sort of set the tone this morning. Extraordinary. So um, what was the reason for the big rally then? Do you know, I, 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 retail investors piled into technology shares. Um, it was a big, big move. And I, it, it seems to have been an article in um, this uh, magazine or, or newspaper called Securities Journal. And as most things are in China, it's, it's run by the state. So it really is what the state believes and wants its population to understand. And effectively, the article encouraged readers to buy shares. Uh, and it talked about the wealth effect of the capital markets and a bull run in the markets. And I think that really was the, the catalyst that sent the shares absolutely flying. And I think come the close, I think the uh, CSI 300, so that's the top 300 shares on the Shanghai and Shenzhen exchanges, they rallied over 5%. Which is yeah, huge. Rally, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no, it's it sounds huge. Like sort of, um, sounds like the sort of article Donald Trump would write, uh, to be honest. Yeah, yeah the markets. At least we know that, yeah. Well, actually, we know it's a state uh, sort of institution, so the magazine. So it's very much a message convey, conveyed by the Chinese state to its people by the market. That's effectively what they were saying. But you, yeah, you're quite right. It's the sort of thing that Trump might tweet. Um, Life is good. We've tackled the COVID virus. Everything's fine. Buy stock. Oh, buy stock. Buy stock. Yeah, I'm great. Re-elect me. Sadly, four that's, more years. That's, yeah. That's four more. That's not happening at the moment. Um, but anyway, yeah, it wasn't just um, the uh, CSI uh, 300, which again, you know, we talk, have to talk more about China because the Chinese markets and the Chinese economy has a bigger and bigger effect on our market. So it's something that is becoming more of a feature it, it, first thing in the morning when we talk about what's pushing um, uh, European shares up or down. And it's not just talking about the down, the S&Ps, but it's what China's done overnight. And, um, you know, it, it does have a big effect. So so that sort of um, obviously pulled the Hang Seng higher as well. And that registered a gain of three and a half percent. Another bull market that's so another market that's now in a bull market having rallied more than 25, 20%, sorry, 20% from its lows. So uh, 
you know. So that's the definition of a bull market. So 20% off its lows for a bull market, 20% off its highs for a bear market, for isn't it? Correction, market, yeah. correction was 10% off 10%, its uh, yeah. highs, wasn't it? But I mean, you look at the US, that's 25% higher. There's so many markets have bounced hugely, absolutely big time. Uh, other markets also followed suit. So then Nikkei, that was up 1.3%. Uh, um, but as I said, I, 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 you could have forgiven yourself for thinking you were going to be looking at the markets that would be down when you woke up in the morning. But uh, no, yeah. didn't well, happen. how many times have we thought that? No, it's interesting. You make a, an interesting point earlier about how you know it seems to be less of a focus on what the Far East was doing because usually the Far East would follow what the US had done, and then it was playing sort of catch up from the previous session in the states. Whereas now it seems to have its own sort of existence and sort of i don't know message um which yeah. it probably has had less of uh, in the past uh, yes yeah. well certainly uh, if you think about it over the last 20 years there's been quite a focus on hong kong uh, in the press with this new security law and all that stuff but um, i've been told reliably told by my daughter who lives in hong kong that life there's pretty okay uh, if anything a lot of sectors of the economy are quite happy that there aren't people demonstrating every bloody day uh, which has disrupted the economy significantly last year mm. um, and um yeah i mean uh, hong kong when the chinese had uh, took control of it again back in 1997 was um, five uh, sorry a fifth of the Chinese economy so that it represented 20% of the overall Chinese economy it's a measure of how far the Chinese economy has grown not what's happened to the Hong Kong economy but now the Hong Kong economy is about a 30th of the size of the um, Chinese wow. economy wow so That's a huge, um, a, 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 a huge change you know, and the Hong Kong economy has grown significantly as well, but it just goes to show you sort of the, the chart for the growth of the Chinese economy is, is huge. It's, uh, it's yeah. Huge. So there's been quite a bit of talk of um, uh, more of a likelihood of a V-shaped recovery. And yet the, the cases of the coronavirus in the States and like you mentioned earlier with Australia and Europe is starting to pick up a little bit. I know that certainly in my um, my town of Northampton, they were opening the pubs up on uh, on saturday um but i know that the police because in leicester they were actually not reopening them i believe they yeah. might have been the similar sort of thing in milton Keynes, uh, and the police were going to be stopping and interviewing everyone that was trying to travel into northampton from leicester on saturday nights to find out what right. they were doing why they were coming in and so on because right. lockdowns in force and just goes to show that you know it isn't it isn't, it isn't that rosy out there and yet this stock market seems to paint a slightly different picture if that's all you were to well, look at. Um, it, it, it's, as, as we've discussed in previous podcasts and discussions, the, the, the stock market is not the economy. The, the, the yeah. stock market is a view of investors for various reasons, you know, supported by central banks and government spending tons of cash, no other place to put your money and all that sort of stuff. We've discussed all that before. Mm. But you're right, the, the, there is a lot of... Um, reinfections happening uh, but I think they're all localized and I think certainly most economists most countries uh, are pretty effective or a lot more effective at uh, first of all identifying them uh, and locking them down uh, like we are doing with Leicester like they're doing in places in Spain um, but also we're a lot better at treating them and, and this is the thing that's happening in the US while the infection rate doesn't seem to be slowing appreciably if anything you know it's, it's, it's about 50,000 new cases a day which is huge bearing in mind our new cases are sort of 500 or less a day yeah um, 
But, you know, you've got a lot of southern states that jumped the gun a little bit uh, too early, we should say, um, and now I think counting the costs as they're having to lock it down. And I think the mortality rate in the US is curiously low as well. And I, I was trying to make head or tail of it. And it, it seems that the, a lot of the infections are in the younger age brackets, uh, but hospital admissions have been rising sharply. But I think the markets really are happy with it, with the way it is at the moment. But I think if there was a sudden jump in COVID deaths that led to moves to yeah. tighten the lockdown measures, I think that's what would put it into more of a tailspin, Adrian. Well, we've talked in the past about how just because lockdowns lifted doesn't mean that suddenly the elderly, po elder population is going to be rushing to the pubs to uh, to get yeah. out there. They're probably going to well, still actually, be quite cautious. And maybe that's the thing. A lot of the people going out, even though the lifting of it, the younger generation anyway, which kind of makes sense. Well, you were talking about the pubs in Northampton. I was actually down uh, in Devon on Saturday to visit my uh, uh, sister-in-law, uh, who has been, you know, isolating, really. Uh, she, she, like my wife, uh, has to take drugs to control um, a, um, you know, her, her um, uh, breathing difficulties. I'm trying to think what it's called. Asthma. Um, uh, asthma. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, and, and and it's just a it's just a, a a a drug that makes you susceptible to it. And they just recommend if you're taking it that you've got to be extra careful. Uh, but down in Devon, there's a lot of let's how can I put it older people. Um, and uh, um, I have to say on uh, I didn't I wouldn't go near a pub. That's not what I want to do at the moment. But the but the pubs just didn't look busy at all, Adrian. I mean, admittedly, it was chucking it down with rain. So you're not going to get, you can't drink outside. Would you want to go inside into a hot, steamy pub? I don't think so. You know, it doesn't sound that appealing. Um, no, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't. This is all it going doesn't. on but, either. But, but I think there is, you know, the press relish in uh, delight in sort of showing us pictures of pubs with lots of people crowding on the streets and everything else. But there are so many, that's one in a hundred, that's one in 10, one in 20. Most pubs, did it sensibly and people who went for a drink were sensible so mm. you know and the police stated the obvious thing yeah people when they're drunk won't follow social distancing rules but not many people went out to get drunk i mean let's face it you can get drunk at home <laughs> that's what we've all been doing sorry we haven't been getting yeah. drunk but we've been drinking at home so uh, yeah you know, it's not as if we haven't been drinking all this time yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so why don't we have a quick review on the markets? So FTSE pretty much unchanged, but quite strong in the States, Jerry, last week. Yeah, we had some good numbers in the States, Adrian, last week. Um, if you remember that um, CB um, consumer uh, sentiment yeah. number uh, was pretty strong, um, which was very, very, very positive. Uh, um, Pending home sales, that was the other one. I was trying to remember what it was. Uh, but the pending home sales is huge, wasn't it? Look at that. Yeah, that was something that kind of kicked it all off on Monday last yeah. week, wasn't it? And, yeah. um, you know, so we were doing that, um, that round-the-clock trader session uh, Monday and Tuesday last week, morning and afternoon. And uh, yeah. really did inject some life into the stock market because that was significantly yeah. high. And, of course, it, you know, that's a real sense of positivity. And we've seen that actually in today um, where – uh, oh, I forget which um, house builder is Barrett's, maybe. I can't remember Barrett's, which one. Yeah. Um, it's come yeah. out and said that their, yeah, their number of registrations is pretty much around, not not far off the same levels as last year now. So, house builders of, uh, yeah, you know, it's a real positive thing uh, as well because if you're going to be buying a house, it means you're going to be buying all sorts of other other stuff as yeah. well. Absolutely, uh, which... and 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 that's why you're getting, you know, we we'll get onto it in a second, but uh, you know 
Rishi uh, Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, is talking about um, cutting stamp duty, uh, which will be a big, you know, if you bring forward or encourage people to buy properties, it results in so many additional purchases. And that's mm -hmm. what, you know, uh, we need as an economy. We need people spending money on those things. And they're talking about uh, cutting stamp duty for property purchases up to half a million, which would be significant. I was trying to work it out before we before we started this. But it looks like for a half a million pound property, that means a saving of 15,000 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's significant. Uh, you know, it's funny though, because things like the help to buy scheme, I, I can't help but think all that does is line the pockets of the uh, house builder himself. It just pushes the prices up. Actually, yeah, just push the prices up. So this is only, but then, you know, that's something you only really pay that price over the next 30 years, don't you, with your mortgage rather than necessarily right now. But even so, I just hope it's well, something that actually the consumer can benefit from. Um, yeah. No, yeah. It, it, it needs to be more targeted. I think you're right on the help to buy. It sort of helps the helps the house seller as well as the house buyer, uh, which well, I guess it's a cash sum, isn't it? It's a big lump of money that if you're going to be paying that in stamp duty, you're then not able to, to buy the other things that you'll need. So you'll delay. So cash is important, isn't it? If you're struggling for a deposit, you know, suddenly I mean, you could say, like... you know, cutting stamp duty will enable you to pay more for a property, of course. So it's sort of, you know, you could argue it same way with stamp duty but i i think it's more targeted but um yeah we'll see but it wasn't mm -hmm. um yeah sort of going back to the markets agent so, so the u.s markets did well but the uk markets and european markets certainly the uk markets i think they were sort of hampered by the, <laughs> weirdly we were talking about this this time last week about how poorly sterling had performed and of course sterling has been a little bit volatile as we know um and the rally in sterling i think rather um, made sort of quite heavy going for the FTSE 100 and the 250. Um, Can you and, explain that for just a second as to why a rise in the pound might make it harder for, for, for stocks, Jerry? Well, it's just that overseas buyers, so if you're in the US or in the EU and the Eurozone in euros or, or, or dollars, uh, it makes the UK look more expensive just purely because of the currency translation. So um, with, with, with sterling rallying, it makes shares look more expensive. So uh, you're not likely to buy as after a currency a, a appreciation has made them more expensive anyway. Uh, so a, a stronger sterling, just it, 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 it tends to hamper more the FTSE 100 than the 250. And also, of course, they you might say they also benefit from their overseas uh, uh, earnings as well, but uh, that, that also is a cost to the companies. So. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I mean, problem. certainly it's, it's to get a lot of these companies are if they're reporting in pounds and they're, they're a net exporter, which a lot of um, FTSE 100 companies are, is global uh, companies. Mm. This obviously makes their exports more expensive. Uh, relatively, so that's, a, that, that's also a, a and, and, the rev, and the revenue they bring in less. <laughs> in sterling. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and okay. Obviously, we had yeah. um, Andy Haldane as well just before we get on mm. to the next bit. Remember, the uh, economist of the Bank of England came out and said he thinks uh, the economy uh, is doing better than the Bank of England predicted, uh, was expecting, and that he's predicting a V-shaped recovery. And that really caused a few open mouths, actually, uh, from some quarters. But, uh, um, you know, he's, he's quite an astute sort of uh, performer, actually, uh, Andy Haldane. So I think uh, uh, that gave the markets, uh, well, certainly gave Sterling a bit of a lift, that's for sure. Um, yeah, but also sterling was up about one and a quarter percent on the week, uh, but pretty flat yeah. on the euro, pretty flat on the dollar yen uh, yeah. as well, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, no, sterling is the one. 
it is the one. The rest of the market, you know, foreign exchange markets, a little bit quiet, uh, but um, yeah, just sterling just made, really, you might turn around and say, well, sterling hasn't done much over two weeks because it fell more than that the previous week and it just sort of made most of it up last week. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I think the volatility has nothing to do with it. Some people sort of trying to call it a, a, an emerging currency. It's not. It's just the fact that the UK is grappling with two things, the effects of the pandemic, which has hit the UK economy and the U and in terms of the COVID um, effects, the number of deaths, etc., harder than a lot of other countries. Uh, and obviously, we've got the uncertainty surrounding the Brexit negotiations. Yeah. Yep, they're back, the Brexit yeah. negotiations. Uh, yay. Um, yeah. But I guess that may, it, it just makes it more interesting, doesn't it? And that's going to create more volatility than everything else, which has got a kind of a similar similar situation going on. Um, Correct. We've all got Correct. extremely low rates. We're all struggling with uh, COVID. Um, but we've got this added um, yeah. Brexit thing thrown into no. the mix there, which makes no, it more... I know, I know a lot of traders who uh, are trading... Um, uh, sterling pairs because they're more interesting. There you go. Mm. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, what about the commodities? Um, so quite strong on the stock market last week. So you kind of expect that, you know, relatively flat then or um, for uh, for gold as well. It had a, a strong start to the week, but sort of pulled back a touch, didn't it? Yeah, it, it sort of is following the stock market. Uh, sorry, not gold. Um, oil is gold. Gold really had a flat-ish week i think it's just paused a little bit um i, I think it was sort of uh, uh, the risk on move last week dampened down most of the buying i mean it was up i think it was up like four bucks on in the end uh, last week yeah obviously u.s holiday on friday uh, meant um it was going to be fairly flat but um yeah, I mean, it just it defies gravity gold as far as I'm concerned. You wouldn't normally see a stock market rally the way it has done. And gold as a as a as a risk haven also go up. It's sort of one of them's going to be wrong in the long run, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. Um, and oil oil been rising quite strongly and of course yeah. you know that's uh, relatively following the stock market as you mentioned earlier but of course you know it's 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 a resource there's a lot of big a lot of the biggest companies in the world or perhaps there used to be um are oil companies uh shell bp uh, exxon mobil well, if, 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 yeah if, if you remember last week we were talking about shell talking about writing down its assets by what was it 22 billion dollars bp has written down its assets not by the same amount but quite a lot and I think you know these big oil majors are coming to realize that, that, that we're on a bit of the downward slope longer term now and if anything the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated a lot of the moves into renewable energy and mm. it's something that you know certainly BP is looking to embrace it's, it's sold its petrochemicals industries to INEOS so you know it's it's a long haul this but um, my suspicions are that the uh, Connection with uh, the stock market uh, may may decouple eventually, but for now, yeah. oil is looking like it's almost mirroring all of the moves in the stock market now. So stocks improve. The assumption is the economy is doing better. The economy is doing better. People will be spending buying more oil. Uh, they're going to be commuting more. They're going to be driving more. They're going to be making more products. Factories are going to be busier, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but Remember the stock market? 
it's not the real market. <laughs> so um, uh, we, we'll have to wait and see exactly how this recovery pans out. But uh, um, there's a lot of uh, unknowns um, at the moment. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, certainly with uh, consumption and, and um, production, really. But um, look at it now. Yeah. You know, I, I, think another, I think another big unknown, if you think about how much petrol you've used uh, over the last sort of 12 weeks, just from working at home, rather than the sort of just the daily commute, you know, there's a lot of companies and a lot of people that I speak to whose um, work from home pattern will change. A lot of companies were very much against it, um, but actually a lot of companies have proved to themselves, actually, you know, do you know what, we, we can actually do it. We can do work from home. It's not the big risk that we thought it was. It's, it's been mm. okay. And if that means that people then start doing maybe two or three days a week in the office instead of five days, and of course, that's going to have a big impact on the demand for oil, uh, isn't yeah. it? Um, it's going to have huge. a big impact on property, certainly um, commercial property in places like London, because I know people who work in London who actually will now be working, looking to work from home and will they need a big, the, the biggest shiny office in London anymore? They probably don't need one quite as big. Um, so people living in London yeah, are thinking, interesting. what, you know, if, if I don't need to commute to an office, i.e. why am I in London to get to my office in London when I don't need to get to my office in London? I think I prefer yeah. to sell my overpriced flat in London and buy, you know, a decent sort of three bed house somewhere with a garden where I can enjoy life a bit more. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating how it all plays out over the next few years. And of course, uh, a lot of business travel, or I must travel to business, do face to face meetings. But of course, you know, companies like Zoom have been, you know, flying. Um, and you sort of wonder just just how much things are going to change because of this. Well, it's been it's been forced on us, and it's something that as business people, perhaps you know, our company agent, we may not have decided to test whether we could work from home, uh, whether we'd want to conduct meetings over um, um, Zoom or uh, Microsoft Teams or whatever we you know tool we're using. Yeah. Uh, but actually, it's worked. And this is what companies approved. And I think, was it Fujitsu over the weekend? The deep end, don't you, almost, to uh, some of these yeah. things? Well, yeah, that's when you're forced to do something. You suddenly realize, gosh, it wasn't so bad after all. But the, there are some companies that are just basically saying, no, nope, you can work from home now. And and a big Japanese company, I think it was Fujitsu, I can't remember, but um, announced over the weekend that they that's exactly what they would be doing. Um, and I think this is giving a big headache to all those funds that invest in property uh, that... Um, you know, just looking pretty dire at the moment. Certainly the big uh, metropolitan office blocks, etc. Um, it just doesn't look, uh, the numbers don't look good there, that, that's for sure. But it's going to affect us all because we've probably all got some of our pension money invested in those, um, those vehicles. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we do. Well, it's, it's something I was looking at with my mum to, uh, to do to get a, a reasonable yield uh, on it. But um, Mm, four or five percent yield doesn't make much cop when your capital has been hammered by I don't know it's been hammered by fifty percent. I know some funds actually just stopped, haven't they? they stopped trading, sort of cancelled. Well, they, they're they're gated, aren't stuff. they? Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I, think, uh, I think I think they just have to be for now, whilst the market's so uncertain. Yeah. Uh, okay. Look, let's um, move on a touch. Um, we've 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 talked a little bit about in the past about Trump and how he's not doing particularly well. And of course, this is not a political podcast, but we have to try and bring this back to the equity markets. I mean, that's something that he continues to not do so well. So, Jerry, quick update on the polls. What is it? Sort of 15, 10 to 15 percent ahead. Yeah, it, it's it's not improving. I think the reason why it's not improving is because it's all down to the COVID-19 pandemic. The, the, the infection rate 
is his is not Trump's friend. He seems to, he focuses on the stock market and the stock market is doing well, but that's not what the pollsters say. The populace is focusing on. They're focusing on um, the uh, mismanagement of the COVID nineteen crisis and the unrest following the death of uh, George Floyd. Um, and that's really what's 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 hitting Trump and Biden, Sleepy Joe, whatever Trump wants to, you know, insult him with, um, is probably 10, 15 points in the lead. Uh, one poll I read over the weekend or coming up to the weekend gave uh, Biden more than 20 points over, over Trump, which is extraordinary. Um, you know, and, and look at Florida, which is a key battleground. And according to one uh, polling company, I think it was clear, real clear politics, uh, Biden uh, leads Trump by five points. And you might say, well, hang on a second. I thought you said it was 10 to 15 points. Florida is a marginal. It, it, it's, a, it's a key state and it's a marginal state. And whoever wins that pretty much wins the White House. And it's, it's without states like Florida, Trump won't win the presidential election. So the fact that Biden is five points ahead in Florida is not good news. Even worse news, Adrian, is the fact that they're having to reinstate a lot of yeah. the lockdown measures. That's, yeah, Trump doesn't want to hear it. And you can Twitter absolutely. all you like in the middle of the yeah. night, Mr. Trump, yeah, well, but he ain't going to change that on the ground. What was it you said there about, is it 30,000 or 50,000 new cases um, a, a day in the States? About, I mean, about 11 or 12, yeah, about 11 or 12,000 um, over the weekend each day in Florida. You know, That's right, that's huge, right. Huge, huge I just think it's about- This is important because of the stock market, isn't it? Because you know, the idea is, you know, Trump is this sort of guy who's going to, you know, have a very strong stock market. The idea being for making this back to trading is that if Biden's more likely to come in, then we might start to see um, stocks slip, slip slide a little bit because he's going to be yes, uh, less business loving, uh, arguably. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, th th there were two uh, articles actually in the, well, I think one in the Economist, one in the Financial Times over the weekend, both focusing on the fact that Trump was behind in the polls. And I think one of the because I can't remember which one was suggesting the markets may have to start discounting the likelihood of a Democrat uh, victory in the presidential elections in the third week in, uh, in November, which yeah. really, when you go back to the beginning of the year before pre-BC, before COVID, um, January BC, um, I think you'd think that was pretty remote, wouldn't you? Uh, certainly, he yeah. was ahead in the polls and ahead in the in the bookmakers, but uh, really, the White House has handled it badly, and and it continues to reflect on the White House as well. The fact that these infection rates are not going down, death rates—that's another thing. Affecting the stock market—that's another thing. But irony is, if Trump doesn't get in and Biden does, that's the bigger effect on the stock market than an increase in the death rate, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, ironically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. And, and what about the dollar? How do you think that, I mean, it's probably a little unclear, but how do you think that might um, you, uh, be impacted if uh, Biden's more likely to win? Do you know, it is unclear. I mean, obviously with markets going up again and this risk on move where investors are buying equities, normally that would, the, the dollar uh, takes a bit of a back seat and tends to slide, especially as um, the Fed have cut uh, rates to record lows uh, in, in, in reaction to the pandemic. Um, it doesn't hold, though, that if Biden gets in, stock markets will come off and the dollar will rally, though. 
it's possible if Biden comes in that the stock markets will struggle and also the dollar will struggle as well. So it, it sounds like the dollar is going to struggle either way, um, largely because of the interest rate differential uh, change over the last uh, four months. Yeah. Uh, okay. So shares could be interesting uh, with Biden. What about the, the valuations at the moment? I mean, we're seeing you know stock markets returning to um, to previous levels, and yet earnings can they actually back this up? Uh, Jerry? Well, we, well, well that, that's right. So stock markets, we know how far they've moved. Um, we, we're not a million miles away from uh, all-time highs in the US. Uh, they've had their best quarter, so that's the last three months uh, in 22 years. Uh, valuations, though, are the most expensive in two decades. So when we talk about valuations, we're talking about the price to earnings. So what supports the price of a share is the fact that the owner gets paid back for owning those shares in in uh, in um, in earnings, um, and it's do those uh, valuations uh, are they backed up by these earnings uh, to come, um, and we'll find out soon. But forward valuations so um, have expanded considerably faster than the market has rallied. So they've gone from something like 16 and a half times earnings. So that's what it was, you know, uh, previously, uh, you know, at the, at the trough. It's now 25 times estimated profits. And that's, that's quite a rich sort of multiple. So let's just say if you bought a share and you got, um, 25 times the earnings it would it would basically take you 25 years to get your money back holding those shares in very mm. crude terms i know there are other things at play as well uh, but the earnings estimates uh, suggested by analysts are just guesswork at the moment as well so we've got we're going into what's called the second quarter earnings season in about a couple of weeks time where you know the, the first shares uh, first companies announced their results for the previous quarter and we don't have an idea really much about what their earnings are going to be. So it's all mm. a bit of a sort of guesswork because most companies, uh, basically because the, the, the SEC said that you could, the companies could do this, they didn't give any guidance. They couldn't give any guidance because they didn't know what was happening. So yeah. the companies haven't given guidance. The analysts can't tell you what's going to happen because the companies haven't given guidance. And all this is supposed to underpin the stock market. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, we've seen with the uh, sort of crazy numbers that have been the economic data that's been um, coming out and just how difficult it's been to forecast that. I mean, like the non-farm payroll uh, number last week, for example, you know, the whole thing with stocks where it's actually um, less significantly less visible, um, it's, it's going to be all, all over the place, I would expect. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, and. It's just that I got a feeling that the, the markets are going to take it in their stride. You tend to, the markets tend to do well over the earnings season because analysts tend to sort of pour a bit of cold water on it and say, well, it may not be that brilliant. But most people know, most investors know, most traders know. What else? You, where else are you going to put your money, Adrian? Yeah, we've talked about it so many times. But you've yeah. got the government and the central bank backing you up. They're telling you. Well, it's a bit like the U.S. It's a bit like the Chinese state, the Securities Journal. They're telling you to buy the market. That's what. Yeah, exactly. That's indirectly, what that's what the SEC, that's what the U.S. government, and that's what the Federal Reserve are telling investors to do. 
buy the stock market. Sounds like a bubble to me. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. sound right, does it? But, it's only uh, a bubble when it, yeah. till it pops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see. Um, okay, let's quickly go through uh, the data for the week ahead then, Jerry. So I know it's quite a quiet week. Usually after the non-farm payroll week, it's uh, it's pretty quiet. But any any anything quickly to look at from last week? Um, we obviously saw quite a quite a big number for the uh, employment change last week. Yeah, the uh, employment yeah. change again. It's just guesswork what these numbers are. Um, the fact is, um, the U.S. Uh, economy has improved. It is clearly experiencing a V-shaped recovery. Uh, some very big names have thrown their hat into the ring for the V-shaped recovery, and that's basically what's happening. But if you think about it, Adrian, the the damage looked severe with the lockdown, and this was the lockdown was a self-inflicted wound. Uh, economies deliberately chose to stop working. That's the yeah. effect. And as soon as the the risk or the the potential for further damage to the economy through the spreading of this virus was over, as a, it is even in America, supposedly, uh, then economists were able to open up, ease their lockdown measures. And they're doing a lot of things with fiscal and um, central bank you know, monetary policies that are supporting their economies significantly. And that's the reason why we're seeing some incredibly strong numbers. And that, un that unemployment or employment number, the non-farm employment change, was huge very very positive um, um, so uh, end, end of a good week wasn't it yeah absolutely it was um what about for the for the week ahead we've probably got a couple of minutes just to whiz through this because there's not a yeah, lot I, i'll be very quick then uh, there isn't uh, stuff that is also significant is actually not on that calendar you've got the brexit talks we spoke about that earlier on adrian yeah. um michel barnier the eu uh, brexit negotiator uh, said that serious divergences remain. Gosh, it's like a worn out record, isn't it? And the EU um, needed its position to be better understood and respected by Britain. Mm, I wonder whether David Frost, the UK negotiator, thinks the other way around. Um, I'm sure he does, uh, that the uh, EU needs to re better understand the position and respect the position from Britain. <laughs> um, I'm going to make anyway. an outlandish prediction that we'll come to an agreement on the uh, the last day of the deadline and uh, whenever that How happens outrageous. to be. How dare you uh, think they're going to do it in the last minute? Same on you. Yes, what a good call that will be. Um, uh, US, uh, we got the ISM non-manufacturing PMI. Let's throw in two mnemonics at the same time. The Institute of Supply and Management non-manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index. In short, it's going to tell us what's happening with the services sector in the US. Uh, and anything above 50 is expansion. Look at that expectation. 50. Look where it got down to. Look on that, click on the graph, Adrian. You can just see how horrendous that was. Look at one expectation was down at sort of 35. It wasn't quite as bad, but uh, 50, It's uh, that's what we mean about a V-shaped recovery. It's straight back up. So uh, close to expansion. What a turnaround. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Tuesday, okay, anything else? Yep. Uh, Tuesday, we've got the Reserve Bank of Australia monthly policy meeting. No change expected there. I think especially with this uh, outbreak of infections in Victoria. So um, they won't be doing anything there. Um, I know that, you know, the Aussie dollar has just been spectacular in the way it's recovered. I went to Australia in um, early February this year just got away with the skin of my teeth but the uh, Aussie dollar against sterling was around sort of 195 202 and it's now what 180 so uh, I just know that the Aussie dollar is flying uh, mm. so it probably should be but 
not if this spreads, that's for sure. Um, industrial production from Germany on Tuesday, it's, a, it's ranked as a, a low impact number, but it's be quite interesting for the, the powerhouse in the Eurozone, uh, the industrial powerhouse. It'd be interesting to see what the industrial production numbers in Germany are. I know we had a, a slightly disappointing number from Germany today already, um, uh, but it, it, it will affect um, the Eurozone and uh, the Euro and uh, um, the likes of the DAX and the Eurostox. So, yeah, um, there we go. Early doors on Tuesday. So yeah. that's the number we'll be looking at. Uh, Wednesday, we've already discussed um, Mr. Uh, uh, Rishi Sunak, our Chancellor of the Exchequer, and what he's going to be doing, this uh, budget statement. Um, we've got the EU meeting. Uh, I don't need to talk about that. That's ahead of a summit next week. Uh, we've got crude oil inventories on Wednesday, usual weekly data, so not much point commenting on it any more than you know, it remains quite sort of interesting, certainly for the domestic oil in the States, US oil or WTI. Uh, Thursday, uh, just focus on the initial jobless claims, um, Adrian, the, uh, that make up the, the uh, monthly non-farm payroll. Um, we, we've explained the difference. Uh, we won't go into that again, but um, yeah. those are people who file for uh, claims, uh, not the same as the jobless rate, obviously, it's just people claiming, who then subsequently go on. Correct, new who will subsequently no doubt go and go back to work at some stage, so there will no longer be a new claim. Um, or won't be a claim. Um, that's it for Thursday. And then Friday, just one number. So it's a very, very quiet week, I'm afraid. But uh, we've got something called the core PPI. This is a producer price index. This is the cost of goods and services going into production. Uh, so a factory's sort of raw materials, let's put it very simply. Uh, uh, and if they're going up, then the cost of goods coming out the other end is going to go up, which could lead to inflation. Well, guess what? absolutely no chance of any inflation. We know the inflation is very benign anyway, uh, but you can see the PPI is very benign. So the likelihood of any inflation and then in the near future is fairly remote. Okay. That's it. There we go. There we go. That's it for the week. So um, yep. what uh, I'm quickly uh, going to do, guys, is just, um, uh, just say a couple of bits about other stuff that we've got going on this week. Um, one thing I would like to ask is whether you'd be interested in sharing some feedback uh, about the Trend Signal uh, Trading Podcast. If you would, please do me a favor uh, and just type uh, an email to info at trend-signal.com. Uh, just put podcast in the subject line. Let us know how you feel about the podcast, um, perhaps any subject matter you like might like us to cover off on, and also on the medium of your choice, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, uh, just give us a um, a like or a, a rating or a review or anything like that. That would be fantastic and well received. We really would appreciate uh, that. Just to make sure. Funny thing about a podcast is we're talking to ourselves rather than people listening. So all the time. So uh, feedback can always be uh, a little bit difficult. So if you could let us know with a review, a like, a star rating, uh, an email in. Like I said, to info at trend-signal.com with podcast in the subject line. Uh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, now also this week uh, we've got a few live trading webinars this week that we're running 
where we go through current live markets, we go through trading opportunities uh, and all that's going on with the markets, finding some opportunities, talking about trading strategy. And in fact, in these live events, we even teach one of our favorite um, uh, trading strategies um, where we teach through the three simple rules uh, for identifying high quality tra uh, turning points in the markets for foreign exchange indices and commodities. If you would like to come along, you'd be extremely welcome. Now, if you're watching this, uh, you can you see the link on the screen there, but I'll read it out as well for those listening. Uh, that'll be bit.ly, so bit.ly slash learn ts and you can register for a free place at one of our events this week so that's bit.ly slash learn ts bit.ly slash learn ts otherwise everybody have a fantastic week's trading and uh, we'll look forward to hopefully seeing you at one of these events otherwise we'll see you as ever uh, next week uh, for the podcast then have a great week bye-bye for now